Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Like the big voice guy says, we are broadcasting live from Summerfest 2021. For the first time, it is in September instead of June or July. The gates just opened a couple minutes ago, and people will be streaming into Summerfest. It is a Chamber of Commerce day here. I'm I'm telling you something. As somebody who's broadcast from Summerfest for several years, I can remember being down here sometimes when it was cold, sometimes when it was rainy, sometimes when it was just brutally hot. Today is about as close to a perfect day as you get. Lots of sunshine that's out there. Um, a little bit of a cool breeze. There is no reason at all not to come on down here and enjoy yourself. At 105 or so, right after the 1 o'clock news, we're going to be joined by Summerfest President and CEO Don Smiley. We're going to be talking about all the different changes and all the work that went into pulling off Summerfest this year after it, of course, had to be canceled last year because of the pandemic. If you are coming down to Summerfest, again, this year you need either proof of vaccination and it can be the vaccination card, or if you've got it on your phone, I believe that they will take that, or you need proof that within the last 72 hours you've had a negative COVID test. I I will tell you just firsthand how easy they are to get, simply because I had a COVID test yesterday, not because I'm sick, not because I think I have COVID. I'm vaccinated. I had it before. But we're leaving for France for our listener trip on Saturday. And you do not need a, a proof of a negative COVID test to get into France. You just have to be vaccinated. But you do need one to, to come back. And so they give you a test, like, right before you're going to leave. But at the same point in time, I think my wife and I just both made the decision to, uh, hey, you know, we, we just we want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're not asymptomatic and have it because you don't want to get on a trip and then find out you've got an issue. So we just called up the local pharmacy across the street from us. Uh, literally yesterday afternoon, made an appointment for both of us at 5.40, went over at 5.40. They did the test. It took all of five minutes. And then uh, this morning, got the results, you know, negative COVID tests. There, I'm giving away some of my private health insurance information. I'm just making the point that it's not that difficult to do anymore. And candidly, the test they gave me last night was a lot nicer than the last test I ended up getting, you know, several months ago. So bottom line is, even if you're not vaccinated, if you want to come down and take in Summerfest, there's ways that you can do it. These COVID tests are, are readily available. Now, I'm a little bit groggy today. I want to confess that to you because for the third night in a row, I, I, was, I was up late. And I was up late watching the Brewers game. And I will tell you, this is the third win in a row for the Brewers against San Francisco. And the San Francisco Giants are arguably... You know, one of the two or three top teams in the National League, along with the Los Angeles Dodgers and and the Brewers. 
And the, the San Francisco Giants have a lot to play for. There, there's no question they've got a lot to play for because they're in a dogfight with the Los Angeles Dodgers to see who's going to win the division and who's going to be the wild card team. And so this is now the third game in a row that the Brewers have won, and they've all been great games. So I, I, last night I kind of made the decision I, I'm not going to stay up and watch it, but I started watching the game. The Brewers were up against the, the San Francisco Giants' top pitcher, surely a candidate for Cy Young, and, and they were starting you know, not one of their top three starters, who then ended up getting hit by a line drive and having Brett Anderson had to leave the game. And you're thinking, okay, this, this is shaping up like a Brewers loss. Brewers took a 2 to nothing lead early on. Giants tied it up in the fifth, and you're thinking, okay, here, here it goes. They're going to go ahead and lose the game. Brewers score a run in the sixth. They score two more runs in the ninth inning. They are able to hold San Francisco, and they end up winning. It, it's, it really is amazing what is going on with this team. And if you look at the records, the Brewers are 82-52. and 52. All right, so that means they played 134 games. They have 28 games left to play in the season. To give you a little bit of perspective about how special this season is, the all-time number of wins in a season for the Milwaukee Brewers, who've been around here for 50-plus years, twice, 2011 and 2018, the team won 96 games in the regular season. To put this in perspective, right now they're 82 and 52. If they simply play 500 baseball, that is, you know, win as many as they lose, they go 14 and 14, that gets them to 96 wins, tying Again, the, the all-time record for Brewers wins in the regular season. If they're able to win 18 of their last 28, go 18 and 10, they win 100 games. And in Major League Baseball, now obviously the, the, the big thing is you want to win your division, where they're going to win the division, but a 100-win season puts you down with, one of the, with some of the really great teams. I'm just saying this is a special team. Are they going to win the World Series? No. But do they, if things fall their way, do they have a chance to win the World Series? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the next month is going to be really cool. They've got nine games coming up against the St. Louis Cardinals, who are trying for a wild card spot. Three games against the Phillies, who are trying for either a wild card spot or to maybe win their division. Three games against the New York Mets. Three games at the end of the season against the Dodgers. And then they play the Woeful Cubs and the Tigers and the Indians. But it's going to be a fun month all leading up to playoff baseball. This is special. Plenty of room on the bandwagon, so you know, feel free to jump on. But yeah, if I'm a little bit groggy, it's because I got drawn into the ball game last night and was just, again, fascinated by how good this team is up and down the lineup. And as somebody who's been a Brewers baseball fan for decades and decades and decades, including some years where it was kind of frustrating to be a Brewers baseball fan, this this season is absolutely special. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, all right, will we be using cash five years from now? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Baby Welcome back. Once again, we are broadcasting live from Opening Day Summerfest 2021. That is T-Pain, who is one of the performers at Summerfest later on today. All right. 
See, I, I'm already having to start talking you off the ledge. I, I just got a text. Jeff, I, I know you're saying the Brewers are going to you know, win the division and stuff, but remember, the 1969 Mets, the Cubs had a huge lead as well. Don't count your chickens yet. Wait a couple of weeks. All right, I will tell you to the texter, I am willing to bet you all the money in my wallet versus all the money in your wallet right now that the Brewers are not going to blow their 10-and-a-half-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds to win the division. Now, do they win the World Series? I don't know. That's a lot of different variables. Um, but I think things are shaping up pretty well to at least at least give them a good shot at it, which at the end of the day is all you want. But, um, no, I, I don't think you're counting your chickens before they're hatched too much if you say, look, that this... The, the division, at least, is all over but the shouting. This Brewers team is not going to, well, this Brewers team is not going to lose 20 out of 30 remaining games. That's just not flat going to happen if you look at how good this team is. All right. Now, if you come down to Summerfest, when you come down to Summerfest 2021, you are going to find there's been, it, there's been many changes, but one of the changes is it is cashless down here, just like most of American Family Field, if you go to the Brewers game, that is cashless as well. I, I'm told that there's one or two stands throughout the American Family Field where they'll still take cash. I haven't found them. But, um, so you're going to need your, your credit cards. That's the way this is going to end up working. That's, that is a more and more common thing. Now, at State Fair, you'll remember that in order, if you were buying tickets to get into the grounds, that was cashless. You had to have a credit card. If you were using parking, that was cashless as well. You had to use a credit card. Now, State Fair, once you were on the grounds, the vendors were still allowed to take cash. But but that's what they call this cashless thing, at least among festivals. I think Kathleen O'Leary was telling me it's kind of the, the hybrid model. Hybrid meaning, all right, we have cash and we have credit cards, but we're trying to push people to credit cards. Um, more and more businesses are going that route as well, saying, look, we, for whatever reasons, we would prefer to take credit cards. We think that the transactions go faster if we use credit cards. We think that um, there's less contact. Um, and, it, of course, in, in a COVID world, we, one thing we know is that COVID really doesn't pass all over surfaces and things like that. But nevertheless, businesses that have the choice as to whether they're going to go cashless or alternatively whether they're going to go to credit, more and more places are going to credit. Now, if you're coming down to Summerfest, just like if you're going to American Family Field, and you say, what if I don't have a credit card? Well, one of the things that you can do is they have like ATM machines where you can go and you can take $50 and you can put the $50 in and you can essentially get a debit card. So th- there are places where you can convert the cash, but if you're going to you know, buy that sandwich, if you're going to buy the beer, if you're going to buy the souvenir sweatshirt, you need to have cash. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. How do you feel about this? Because I really do think it's the wave of the future. I think more and more businesses are going to do this or try to do it. From my perspective, and maybe this is just because it's a function of my age or maybe it's because I'm hopelessly old school, I appreciate having the opportunity and the option to pay cash, but to pay with a credit card, but I still enjoy having the option to pay cash. And for smaller transactions, truthfully, like going and and buying a beer at Summerfest or buying a beer at State Fair or buying a beer at American Family Field, I I would prefer, prefer to pay cash. 
I mean, I, I just, to me, it, it's easier than fooling with the credit cards and things like that. I prefer to pay as I go. If I want the beer, will I pull out the credit card and do it? Yeah, but I like the option. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. I'm fine with it, but I do you think it's annoying when those prompts come up that say, would you like to tip your cashier for reaching over and giving you a hot dog and making yeah. it look like Ebenezer Scrooge if, if you don't do it? Yeah, that, that's that, that's the thing, and it's always like push what the tip is. I guess I um I I don't know. Do you feel guilty? Are you guilted into giving a tip if you wouldn't otherwise give a tip? Oh, I'm almost always guilted into giving a tip <laughs> when I see those. Okay, okay. Thanks for the call, Jeff. I I appreciate it. I guess I guess I have a higher guilt level than that. Yeah, I um. Uh, it is it is true. I, I think in, in some respects, I, I think it kind of cuts both ways if you do this, because I, I agree with exactly what Jeff is saying, that on some occasions when you see that there, if you were normally just going to go up to a stand and, and buy two beers, uh, from from the stand, you'd probably you wouldn't be inclined to certainly give a ten or a fifteen percent tip. But when it, it's sitting there and you're you're asked, I, I think some people might do it. On the other hand, I do think there's other people that if they're paying cash would just simply be inclined to round up. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Someone asked on the text line, who gets the thirty cents left over on the card? Then, good question. I mean, my understanding is it's like a debit card. So at the end of let's say you come down to Summerfest and you put fifty dollars in and you get the the debit card, and at the end of the night, you've got five dollars left on it. My understanding is that, that that's good. You, you can use it anywhere. So you know, next time you go to Starbucks or whatever, you just you've got five dollars left on the card. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I do not like the idea of being forced away from cash. I think that there is for me, it's just flat out easier. Now here's a text. Jeff, I love the idea of going cashless. I would even take it a step further, like in foreign countries where you can wave your phone over the um, machine for the transactions. Merchants no longer have to go to the bank to make deposits. It's all on the computer. Well, that's a value for merchants as well, that you don't have to end up at the end of the night you know, counting the cash and things like that. And I, I get it. I understand why there is that appeal. The flip side, though, from a merchant's perspective, keep in mind, is when you're doing credit card transactions, merchants pay a fee. I mean, there is a cost associated with the the use of the credit card that ma- that the merchant has to pay to American Express or you know Visa or you know Mastercard or whatever, which is one of the reasons for small transactions. I've always sort of felt guilty that using a credit card, and again, the advantage to me to using the credit card is you get points. I mean, I, I get it. I get airline points, or you get cash back points, or you get all those things. I've just always felt a little bit guilty, not necessarily guilty not tipping somebody when I wouldn't otherwise issue a tip simply because I'm using the credit card, but a little bit guilty when, you know, it, it's a it's a $4 transaction. I'm buying a cup of coffee and a, and a newspaper, and... And, and now the merchant is going to have to pay a percentage over to the credit card company. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm talking about tipping. One of our texters says, yeah, but, you know, just working on what the last caller said. I Typically, if I were buying that beer or whatever, I'd be inclined to throw a dollar in the jar. However, the tip on the machines are often set at 15 to 20%, um, which is yes. 
Jeff, I agree with you. The customer pays the fee through the price of the item. Jeff, I prefer cash only because I have more control over how much I spend. Yeah, I think that that's you know that's that's sort of another thing. It's it's easy to lose track of how much stuff costs when you're you're just signing for the, the credit thing. Look, I appreciate that it is a convenience. And I understand that we are moving more towards that convenience. I just hope we don't move too quickly because I think that there's a lot of us out there, like I say, that really still enjoy the idea of using cash. We like to use cash. And um, when we're out, we prefer that. Is that to say that if there's a concert or a show or some place I want to go or something that I want to buy and I've already decided this is what I want but they only take credit cards, well, does that mean I'm not going to go or does that mean I'm not going to make the purchase? Well, no, that's not going to be the reaction. But at the same time, I am I like the option of doing this. All right, here's a text. Jeff, I work with some of the larger venues in town. We talked about the cashless situation, and the person I talked to said more of the reason for them is it's one less thing they have to worry about in the staffing climate we're currently in. They don't have to worry about making sure the person on the register can make proper change. Uh, well, <laughs> there is that element. You know, it's you don't have to worry about here. The the beer is eight dollars, and I'm giving you ten, and somebody has to worry about getting the two bucks back. That that's true. There is that element to it, and I understand it's the wave of the future. I guess I just I still think that there is a role for cash, and I hope we don't completely move away from that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, I can't believe it. That again is T-Pain performing tonight at Summerfest. The big gig is back, and WTMJ is your home for all things Summerfest. We bring you straight to the stage as we broadcast live every day of the fest from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. It's the big gig on the biggest stick in the state. That's Wisconsin's radio station, us, News Radio, WTMJ. I will tell you the one the one group of people that I have no doubt are being hurt by this cashless stuff, and that is the beer vendors at American Family Field. I will tell you, as somebody who's gone to lots of Brewers games this year, the sales of beer in the stands to the vendors, hey, beer guy, that those those are plummeting. And I talk to some of these vendors, and see, part of the problem is it's it's even more complicated because not all of them have those, those handheld machines where you can stick the credit card in. In some cases, what you have to do is you have to download the ballpark app on your cell phone. And then what you have to do is you have to scan, the, follow me on this, the QR code that they have that the vendor has on his tray. And then you have to place your order. And then you have to... Oh, by the way, put your credit card in the ballpark app. I mean, it's a five- or six-step process that, at best, takes three or four times as long. It's at best as if you just say, hey, beer guy, I, I want two Millers or, or whatever. And if you talk to the vendors, I'm talking about the guys in the stands, they will tell you that this has been a disaster for them. Now, again, maybe it'll modify. Maybe more of them will end up having those those credit card machines along with them. But right now, there's no question, at least in my mind, that that the credit card, the cashless stuff, is hurting those sales. Don't know what it's changing about people who actually go up and order the hot dogs and things like that. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Because we're all just broken people and we don't know why. 
That's a band called Almost Monday, who's performing today at the Generac Power Stage. And by the way, that's where we are. For people who are asking, okay, where are you? We're in the same location that we've been in for years. Um, the Generac Power Stage is the old Harley Davidson stage. And so what they've done is they've reworked it a little bit. But uh, Almost Monday, a band that's going to be performing kind of right behind where I am later on today. The WTMJ team is broadcasting live from Summerfest throughout the festival. When the team isn't on the air or hanging out with fans, they're grabbing a bite at Major Goolsby's, located near the Briggs and Stratton Big Backyard or at Major Goolsby's downtown. Dangerously close to the Deer District. WTMJ and Major Goolsby's come see us at the world's largest music festival. All right, Eric Bilstadt mentioned this during his newscast. Now, when the pandemic, let's just do a little bit of history here. When the COVID pandemic first hit last, what, March or so, and you had the, the shutdowns, you had people that were thrown out of work, you had businesses that closed with little or no warning, you, you had a huge huge economic disaster in this country and what happened at the time was the government decided look we want we want to provide safety nets to people who have lost their jobs so historically when you lose your job you get unemployment compensation and historically that is covered by the states and there is a limit as to how long you can be on it well what the federal government did in response to the pandemic last year is this here's what we're going to do we're going to try to we're going to try to help people who might have lost their jobs. So in addition to the state unemployment benefits, what we're going to do is we're going to kick out $600 a week to, to people who've lost their, their jobs to help them get over this. Now, again, it was nice to, to do something like that, and undoubtedly that helped people get through the worst of times. The problem, though, is in many cases, by the time you included that, that extra money that people were getting, that $600 on top of whatever else you were getting from the state, you had people that were making more money not working than they were if, if they were working. So there was, understandably, this disincentive to want to go back to work. And a lot of people, myself included, believe that that was one of the things that slowed down the economic recovery and that to an extent is still haunting us because you talk to everybody in business and they will tell you they cannot find people. I challenge you to go into like almost any retail store around here and you're going to see a big sign up that says help wanted. They can't, these stores cannot find people who are willing to work. Well, anyhow, what happened is that $600 eventually went away. But it was decided that what we're going to do is we're not going to give people $600 a week, but we're going to give a $300 a week, again, on top of whatever they're getting from the state. So, again, and that has been, that $300 extra has been going on for the better part of the last nine months. And again, it results in this situation where there's a lot of people, particularly people who would be working at, again, these $15 an hour, $12 an hour sort of jobs. They're in a situation that by the time you take their state unemployment benefit, you add in the extra 300 bucks, and they're, in some cases, they make more money by not working. In other cases, it, it, it's sort of a wash or, or it's close. And I, I guess... Again, I rhetorically, I mean, I understand human nature. If you can make as much or almost as much money, you know, staying home and hanging out as going back to work, well, of course you're going to stay home and, and hang out. And that is precisely what has happened. Now, a number of states have said enough is enough. And I think so far 25 states have pulled the plug 
on this extra $300. They've said, look, we think it is, again, it's hurting the return of the economy. And the $300 is about ready to go away next week. So now we're going to be in a situation where, for people who are unemployed, the money you're going to get is going to be the state unemployment benefits, not this extra federal stuff. Now, Goldman Sachs, you know, the, the big investment people, they, anal- they what they did is they went and they looked at the July jobs report, and what they tried to do is they tried to figure out, let's look at the states where they've cut that $300 extra payment, and let's compare it to the states that have continued, like Wisconsin. Tony Evers refused to, to drop the free money from the federal government. I say free money in quotation marks. And what Goldman Sachs found was that after adjusting for age and gender and marital status and education and all these other factors, they said they found clear evidence that the benefit expiration increased the rate at which unemployed workers became employed. In other words, once that $300 extra disappears, mysteriously, all sorts of people start going back to work. Matter of fact, in their study, they estimated that if all states had ended benefits, the July payroll growth would have been 400,000 stronger. Um, they projected the nationwide benefit cutoff this month will account for 1.5 million job gains through the end of the year. So at least Goldman Sachs is saying, look, here, we're going to try to quantify this. By, by essentially taking away that extra 300 bucks, you are going to see, we believe, by the end of the year, 1.5 million more people come back into the labor force than would have otherwise gone. So the benefit goes away. There's a story in the New York Times today focusing on some people who've enjoyed getting that extra benefit. And the question becomes, look, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Should we continue this even further? Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There doesn't appear to be much political will after multiple extensions of these extra payments doesn't appear to be much political will to continue it, but there are a number of people in the mainstream media and I think in Washington who believe that we still have COVID, we're going to have COVID for a long time, as long as we have COVID, we should continue to have the federal government supplement unemployment. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this would be a strikingly bad idea, and my guess is... Once this extra $300 benefit goes away next week, my guess is all these employers who are looking for help, well, they're not all going to automatically fill the jobs, but they're going to find that there's going to be a lot of people who are now thinking seriously about going back to work. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest 2021. It's the opening day of the fest. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Am I And that, once again, is Almost Monday, who's going to be performing at the Generac Power Stage, which is the old Harley-Davidson stage, which is right behind where I am broadcasting from right now as we broadcast live from Opening Day Summerfest 2021. The pennant race is heating up, and this week in the Bay Area, it's a potential NLCS preview. The Brew Crew are in San Francisco for the final game of a four-game showdown. By the way, for those keeping score, it's Brewers 3, San Francisco 0. That would be in Games 1. Anyway, they're in San Francisco 
one more game today against the Giants. Our coverage starts at 2 o'clock this afternoon, sponsored by Steinhoffel's Labor Day Sale. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I, I just don't even think this is, is arguable, and yet I understand there's some people who want to argue with me. The fact that you know, by, by, by paying all this supplemental unemployment to people who are unemployed, that we have created an incentive for people to not go back to work. So one of our texters says, well, so your theory is that employment numbers will go through the roof in the next month or two and that no business will be short of workers. Well, no, that's not what I said. The Goldman Sachs study estimates that if you discontinue the benefits, the extra benefits, like they're going to next week, they estimate that there's going to be about 1.5 million people that would enter the workforce between now and the end of the year who would not have otherwise entered the workforce. All right? That's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Does that mean that all employers are going to be able to take down their help wanted signs and now that they're going to have 10 people applying for every job? No. But at the same time, if you do not believe that having this free money, and I say free money in quotation marks, having that out there and incentivizing people staying home has not led to a lot of people staying home, I'm sorry, but I think you know, you're know you the ones that are living in fantasy lands with this. And I, I understand it, uh, particularly if you're in a job that you don't particularly like doing. I mean, maybe it's it's physically difficult. Maybe it's just mind-numbingly dull or whatever. It's a job that gives you very little satisfaction, but it does, you know, put food on your table. Well, okay, if you can, again, make as much money or almost as much money staying home and watching TV as going to what you a job that you consider to be mind-numbingly dull, I understand why people are going to do this. You know, no question about it. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, take away the extra funds. It hurts the economy. It doesn't help it. People need to work. Businesses cannot stay open regular hours because they do not have employees to work, which means that customers, consumers, are unable to purchase their wants and needs. If businesses close because people refuse to work, because they make more money not working, who really wins? Yeah, I think that that's the, the fundamental situation. Now, I understand why why in march of 2020 why the government did what it did it was an unprecedented time president at time you had massive job losses through nobody's fault other than the fact that you had the pandemic but it's been you know we're going on a year and a half now at some point in time don't you have to move back to the sense of normalcy and we don't have the shutdowns we don't have, like the Tony Evers, we're closing down all these business rules that are out there. Businesses are, in fact, open, and businesses are just begging to try to find people that will come in and go to work. But they can't do it because the government is subsidizing people not working. And I would argue that that is always a dreadful, a dreadful idea. Um, Jeff, I think the unemployment benefits are there to help people transition to their next job. We had supplements during the pandemic because there weren't as many jobs available. I think that's no longer the case, so it's time to go back to regular unemployment benefits. That's from Barry, and Barry is absolutely right. Unemployment has always existed. The unemployment compensation has always existed to help people transition, um, again, between between jobs. It's been... 
that safety net that helps you as you move from one job to another. It, it hasn't been that this giant mattress that you just kind of like lay in for as long as you want. Gene in Brookfield. Gene, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you. I agree with you completely. We own our own business. And back when everything was happening a year ago, March, there was so much unknown about the virus. And we had a shutdown. Every A lot of small businesses mm-hmm. had a shutdown. And that federal unemployment combined with the state unemployment gave us peace of mind with our employees that mm-hmm. most of them were being kept whole, if you will, until yep. everybody started figuring this out. And then yep. when we started to reopen, you know, back in like June or whatever, we've all figured out, I mean, we're 18 months into the pandemic, we've all figured out how to run our businesses safely for our staff, for our customers, and there really is no reason um, to, to continue the federal unemployment anywhere. There really isn't. No, no, exactly. And and look, I, I also understand, Gene, that there were some businesses that closed as a result of COVID that, that did not reopen. And, and so I understand there's some people who, unlike your business, that the, the employees don't have the option of going back. But there's still lots of comparable work that, that's out there. At some point in time, you, you just I don't think it's fair to expect the taxpayers or the federal government or employers or whatever to just kind of pick up the tab while people don't go out and try to look for work if their jobs have disappeared. I, I agree. I, you know, in the beginning, people were not required to look for jobs. I think Wisconsin now is at least requiring people to look for jobs. Yes. I think... I think that they are also, if the state cuts off the state unemployment, you know, usually they only have so many, like 12 months or whatever it is, right. that as long as they get even $1 from the state, then they would get the federal unemployment. But again, it should not be an indefinite program. There really, there truly is no reason. There's so many stratas and layers of, of um, employment opportunities, right. whether it's entry level or skilled you know, work or right. whatever. I, I agree with you. Thanks for the call, Gene. I appreciate the perspective. And I'll give you my other historical example. I remember, see, during during the, the big recession in 2007 and 2008 and 2009, what happened is, see, unemployment benefits typically max out at 20, I want to say 26 weeks. I think that's what the number was. But what what happened is during the recession in 2007, 2008, and 2009, and you might remember this, what ended up happening is because the employment situation was still bleak, because hiring wasn't coming back, what we saw is we saw the, the, the government, either through federal assistance or the state, would continue to allow people to stay on unemployment. So they'd extend the benefits an extra 13 weeks or an extra 26 weeks or, or whatever. Well, what we saw happen, again, back then, and it's a slightly different situation, but only slightly, what we saw happen was that when finally the, the time expired, when we said, okay, it's been 26 weeks, we've extended it to 52 weeks, but after that 52 weeks hit, what we saw is people suddenly found jobs. They started going back to work. That's what happened in 2008 and 2009, and the em- employment numbers just skyrocketed. Now, I don't know exactly what next month's unemployment numbers are going to look like, and there's a lot of factors to it, but I will tell you something. I have no doubt if these, I believe these numbers, Goldman Sachs saying, you know, they think they're going to see if uh, if we had 
ended the benefits earlier. We'd have another 400,000-plus people working now. I believe that. That intuitively makes sense to me. And I think by ending the benefits, you're going to see probably over a million people back to work before the end of the year that otherwise might not have. Simple. Okay, when we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're scheduled to be joined by Summerfest President and CEO Don Smiley. We are broadcasting live from day one at Summerfest 2021. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. As I said, it is a Chamber of Commerce Day. Um, and I know over the years, and I've been coming to Summerfest for going on 50 years, you know, some days it's a little too hot, some days it might be too cold, some days it's raining. Okay, you don't have any of those excuses today. It is absolutely perfect. And if you're looking at the long-term forecast, it looks like there's going to be a lot of days like that. And I know that makes my next guest happy. We are joined by Summerfest CEO and President Don Smiley. Don, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Now I I know it's for real because we do this every year, <laughs> yeah. but we didn't do it last year. So right. now, now I know we're open because I'm here talking to you. Okay. So the gates opened up about an hour ago. People are coming in. It's been it's been a long struggle to get from where we were in March of 2020 to where we are in September of 2021. It, it, it really has. And, you know, I've said this several different times. You know, I think the real heroes in this whole COVID uh, pandemic are the frontline healthcare workers, and they're the heroes. And we, you know, we play a role in this city. We um, we provide a certain quality of life and fun with uh, uh, vis-a-vis live entertainment. And when it didn't happen last year, I mean, it struck a lot of people, and all businesses were affected, obviously. But I've had so many people come to me and and write me and and tell me how much they missed live music. So. To be able to pull this off, we worked very closely with the City of Milwaukee Health Department to come up with protocols where we could actually operate. And uh, to for us to be open right now is just fantastic. We thought we were going to be able to do this, and this is the fourth time we booked this, right. this festival, June of 20, September of 20, June of 21, and now September. So, you know, kudos to the staff and, and Bob Babish and his staff for booking all these bands and reshuffling the deck as many times as they had to do that. Um, but we're, we're very excited to be open. It's a, um, it's a big boost for our economy. Mm-hmm. We contribute over $186 million per year to our local economy. So over the course of five years, it's almost a billion dollars. And it's important. I, I, I think people enjoy themselves. They love live music. Everybody loves the Brewers and the Bucks right. and the Packers, but they also love live music and the State Fair and so on. So this is fantastic. Don, I know we've talked about this before, but let, let's kind of go back in time. This is not just as far as timing goes, but um, Summerfest historically has been open on a Wednesday, run through a week from that next Sunday. This year, three weekends, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about that decision, and how is that working out in reality? Well, we don't know how it's working out in reality because this is the first year that we're doing it. Um, The driving force behind that is that we wanted to put more national headliners up during the day. right? And so we we just don't have an unlimited budget around here. So we looked at the... um, 
uh, lesser producing revenue days of the week, and we eliminated them, and we went to a nine-day model instead of an 11-day model, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three times, with an amphitheater show in on Wednesdays preceding each Thursday. Right. So in essence, we ended up with 12 amphitheater shows versus 11, but nine festival days on the grounds. What did we do with that money that we saved from closing those days? We invested it in national headliners on the grounds during those nine days. So that was really the impetus to uh, to go to the nine-day model, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three times, so that we could bring national headliners in during the day and, uh, and appeal to a different demographic, mm-hmm. if you will, so that we weren't just you know playing to the six, seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock crowd. Right. We could get a, a, a different crowd during the day with bigger name bands. Now, it's probably my guess is because we're still in a pandemic. It's going to be tough to you know base future decisions just on necessarily what happens this year. Um, as you look to the future, do you see this nine-day model, at least for the near future, continuing? I think this is a two-year experiment, really. Okay, Just right. like you said, I, I don't think you can make any long-term judgments on this year alone uh, because we are in a pandemic, and, and um, we've taken the best uh, steps that we can, obviously. But, you know... Just getting open and just having the opportunity to execute this year is is really a win for us. So, you know, we'd rather give up a little attendance this year and make sure that we have a safe and healthy uh, environment here for our, our guests and our fans to enjoy. But, you know, I agree with you. I think it's more than a one-year look at it. Right. We're going to have to look at this for a year or two, uh, excuse me, two years, to... Um, to really draw any um, substantial conclusions as to how this will work. We're, we're hopeful it does work because we do want to continue to stack the daytime lineup with national headliners. And, I, am I correct that next year's Summerfest, back to the regular time slot? Back to the June, July. I can't give you the dates right yeah, now. Right. I mean, I'm still in the September <laughs> dates. No, I get it. I don't have enough bandwidth for, <laughs> for, for all these dates right now. But... Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll go back to June and July. Uh, Bob's already booking bands for that time period. Got it. So uh, we'll see. Let's. I, I know one of the challenges that you have had this year, same challenge that places all over have had, have been have been staffing levels, and that I know that's been a, a again a, a, something really difficult moving as you've had to try to get people to come in and work all the different places. It's really true, and and no matter who I talk to throughout town no matter what industry, everyone is having trouble hiring people. And I, w- we all think that there's many different reasons as to what is contributing to this. Um, and, and we could go through them and debate them. But the fact of the matter is it's a challenge for everyone, uh, including us. We are open. We, we, um, we, d- we weren't able to hire as many people as we usually hire. We usually hire about 2,200 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're probably 70% of that. So it was difficult to reach out and get people. Now, we, in, you know, when, when you think about the operation of Summerfest, and you've been around here and going to Summerfest for right. years, and you know many school teachers within the area, they worked for us during the summertime. Right. Well, since we were pushed into September... 
those folks are back at school teaching and so on. College so, kids back at school sure, too. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we lost um, we lost a portion of those people uh, who have been with us for years. They said, "Hey, we would have loved to work, but we we have to go and 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 get at our real job." And and so when we move back to June and July, we have confidence that. You know those staffing levels will keep going up. But for for people who might be coming down here over the course of the next three weeks, there okay may, maybe not all of the forty nine bars are open, but there's going to be a lot of the bar. You're you're going to have no trouble getting a beer or a sandwich or whatever, right? There there's 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 no chance that you would have a hard time getting a beer or a cocktail <laughs> or a sandwich somewhere. And 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 you're right. There are going to be some bars that are closed that you wouldn't even know were open in the past right. because you're you're just going to find where that beer is and. And, um, yeah, we're real confident of that. Okay, let's talk about one of the big elephants in the room, the decision that you announced uh, several weeks ago that to come onto the grounds you have to either have show proof of vaccination or a, a COVID test showing that you're negative sure. within 72 hours. How How is that working out? How does it seem to be working out in some of the preliminary shows you've had? And let's talk again about the, the reasons why you felt necessary, necessary to do that. Well, first of all, we think it's working pretty well. We, we had a couple of shows in the amphitheater that we were able to get our feet on the ground, if you will, with, with that whole process and those protocols. I went to Maroon 5. There was no problem. So, well, thank you. And, no, and, and, <laughs> and there's a lot of people behind the scenes that, that made that happen that way. So, um, you know, this isn't a situation where this is where the live music industry is going. This is a situation of this is where it is right now. It's, it's just not Summerfest. I mean, when you think about any venue, whether it's an indoor venue or an outdoors ven- outdoor venue, a festival, whatever, um, the, the live nations of the world and big, huge concert promoters, they're all in this space right now. Many bands are, are demanding that there are um, COVID protocols in place, and some other bands don't care. So we were we were in a position as hey we have to make a decision here we can't we can't be in the middle of the river we have to be on one shore or the other so we couldn't risk losing bands because we didn't have protocols in place that would have been a nightmare so we put the protocols in place there, there and, and other venues throughout the world in Europe and so on had done it in the past Lollapalooza had done it before us then we announced and then a lot of people followed after that so. The um, it, it, it's just the reality of, of, of where where we are in in the music industry today, you know. And there are some in the music industry that say going forward until this pandemic subsides, that there won't be an option of a vaccine or a test. That if you want to go to a concert, or if you want to go to a play or whatever on Broadway, that you will have to prove that you're vaccinated. So, I mean, it's not like that here right now i mean you do have an option with a test and we and we hope everyone shows up and um you know we 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 had uh, green day fallout boy and weezer last night right. and it, it was a huge success i mean it we we made it through the gates and and made it through the show and it was a great show i i assume how how bad was the blowback was it an intense blowback well i wouldn't say intense but I'd be lying to you if it wasn't as um, 
as loud <laughs> as as this whole subject matter yeah. is in our country, and it's it's really turned into a political discussion, and versus a medical discussion. Right. So. Or in, uh, your and case, and and or in your and case, and a business decision, which yeah, is just I mean, like it's. This isn't Don Smiley or Summerfest making a decision. This is hey, we booked all these bands, and this is what the industry is requiring if we're going to put on the shows. This this decision was based on three things: health, safety, and business. So health and safety obviously come first, and then our business. And to really realize the fruits of our labor on the business side, something like that needed to be done. We, we, let me give you an analogy. If if COVID rips through a major league major league clubhouse and knocks out three players, I can bet you can bet your bottom dollar that that big league club will call up two or three players. They might they might go with twenty four for a night or whatever till they can get the twenty fifth. But they're going to have twenty five players dressed for the next game. In our business, we don't have that option. It, there's not like Right. There's a Maroon 5 2.0. If if they have protocols in place and we don't we don't meet those protocols, they'll just say, okay, we'll see you next year, and they're off to the next stop. Right. So we don't have that option. We don't have the luxury of calling someone up and putting a uniform on them. And so it's you know it's a whole different business than sports. Um, and I can I can see how sports teams struggle right. with with what's going on in their clubhouses and in locker rooms, but the music business is definitely different. Hey, can you hang with me for a couple minutes, because I want to talk to you about the infrastructure sure. improvements here. Let's take a quick break. We're talking to Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live day one at Summerfest. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. She was like, oh my God, this is my song. I've been listening to the radio Welcome back. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest 2021, joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. Don, I got down here a little bit early, and I was I was walking around the grounds, and it, it's just every time I come down here, the infrastructure change is amazing. I, I was telling you, I can always remember right inside the main gate, there used to be this sort of old journal broadcast, journal communications sort of, I, I can say, falling down because I was in it, you know, um, and it, that's gone now. It, yeah. It's gone. You've got something great in its place. Well, on on you know on one hand we didn't operate we didn't have a festival in 2020 but it did that doesn't mean that we weren't busy at, at doing something we we um, we finished construction of the American Family Insurance Amphitheater we uh, completely reconfigured and reimagined the uh, old Harley Davidson footprint with our new sponsor Generac in the, to the Generac Power Stage which turned out absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, one of the proudest things, that, or one of the things I'm most proud of, uh, of that we got built this year was the Northwestern Mutual Community Park. And thousands of children and families have visited this park. That park was so old and decrepit, it really needed to be bulldozed and start over. So we did a joint venture with Northwest, Northwestern Mutual, and we built this beautiful park right on the lake, and it's serving our entire community as it's open when festivals aren't uh, working and, um, and in action. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition, I know we've talked about this before, I, I've had a chance to be in the, the newly renovated amphitheater from a, a customer perspective. It's just it's difficult to describe. The concourses are wider. It's easier to get around in. It has a much 
more open feeling and and that's just the stuff that the people see. I know behind the scenes there's a lot of changes, too. Sure. We reseated the entire amphitheater from every seat that you saw. They're all new gray seats. We replaced all of the benches. We replaced all of the sod. We created five aisles instead of three aisles, so the aisles aren't so long to get out of when you do want to go get a beer. We have the mandatory cup holders on the back of yep. each chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten so many emails on those cup holders. We spent $53 million on the amphitheater, and people are writing me about the cup holders. You're right. There's more room up there. Right. We poured a lot of concrete, and we expanded the concourses. We went from being able to serve one in 400 customers at each POS station to one in 175. So the service is better. There's more registers, and... Um, you know, that that's a customer convenience. We increased the ADA seating. So all of the uh, improvements, either from a VIP level or a, a, a regular uh, fan experience, has been improved, and we're very proud of it. You know, and at the same time, there's all this new stuff. But, again, the other thing I noticed... All the old favorites are here. I mean, I, I was just, as I was wandering around today, saying, okay, I always like to stop off there and get this or that or there. And all, those places are there, too. People are, going to, people are going to come down here, and they're going to be wowed by all the new stuff that's here. But there's also the old favorites. Well, you know, they've been the staples of the festival for years, and, and we really stick with our vendors. And who's been loyal to us? I mean, they, they've, they've done a great job. There's no reason, really, to change all of that up. Don, I know it has been a challenging year and a half. I want to wish you the very best for a great Summerfest 2021, and hopefully next year will not be quite as challenging for you, for Summerfest, and for all the rest of us as well. For our entire community, and and, and again, now that we're here talking, I know it's for real, Jeff. Thank thank you. Now I know we're open. That's it. Don Smiley, thanks for joining me. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, got a little chair dancing going on here. That's Luke Bryan. He is the headliner at the Amphitheater tonight, the American Family Amphitheater. This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase is its presenting sponsor, Great Midwest Bank. Thanks again to our friends at Great Midwest Bank for being such great partners. Great Midwest Bank, your simply local, equal housing, home renovation lender. Thanks also to uh, Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. And look, and I, I, I understand that there's a lot of challenges out there, and I, and I understand that people... People have have different issues with why why do we have to do this? Why are they doing it that way? I, I, I will say this that just given the pandemic and given everything that's been going on, staging whether it's staging a baseball games at American Family Field or football games at Lambeau Field or State Fair at the State Fairgrounds or an event like Summerfest where you're going to be having hundreds of thousands of people coming down over a limited period. There's always going to be decisions that you end up making. And I always appreciate Don Smiley coming on and trying to answer those choices. You don't necessarily have to agree with everything they did, but I think he does a pretty legitimate job of explaining why those decisions were made. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Huh. We're broadcasting live from... This is Queensryche 
playing uh, tonight at the Briggs and Stratton backyard opening night of Summerfest, and I, so I, I confess there is there are various holes in my musical knowledge. I, I, I like to think that in some regards, when it comes to pop culture and music and TV and 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 films, I, I have in some areas just a, a relatively thorough knowledge. But there, there's, there are certain holes. Like, for example, so I was talking to Don Smiley. I was at the Maroon 5 concert the other day, and I, I didn't know a single song. <laughs> it just, so, so clearly, like, like pop music, that, that kind of pop from, like, the 2002, 2003 era, that, that, that's, that's a hole that, that's in my, my knowledge. Queensryche, Q-U-E-E-N-S-R-Y-C-H-E, which has um, heavy metal band, out of uh, Bellevue, Washington, around since the early 1980s. Now, my on-site engineer and friend John Tyler said, "Yeah, I saw them first in 1983. Huh? Never heard of them, but but they they are at the Briggs and Stratton backyard tonight at Summerfest. So, heavy metal band again. I think maybe heavy metal bands from the 80s, early 80s. That might be again one of those little like blind spots that I have. Like you know, the, the baseball player can't hit the the fastball in on his hands. Well, may, maybe it's like heavy metal bands from the early 80s like are in kind of my sort of blind spot. All right, something that is not in my blind spot though. When it comes to pop culture, are are popular TV shows? Now we were alluding to this earlier on the news, and I, I want to freely acknowledge that when the show Seinfeld was on, I I enjoyed it, but I never thought that show was going to have a lot of longevity. Seinfeld went off the air, I, I believe, after nine seasons in in 1998. And I remember, I mean, I remember when Seinfeld was on first runs, and I, I thought it was kind of clever and a little bit sort of cutting edge, but I, I didn't think it was going to necessarily have, have legs. By that I mean there's lots of TV shows that are successful and stuff, but they kind of go into syndication and, and die. And I always thought that, you know, Seinfeld was going to be sort of one of those things. I thought in some respects it was it was too topical. That is, I mean, too tied in to stuff that was going on in the moment. I thought, you know, it was very, very New York-oriented. And I thought, well, okay, I, I'm not, I, I don't know how this is going to play year after year. But I freely acknowledge that I'm, I, I was wrong. I mean, Seinfeld is, of course, together with Friends and maybe one or two other TV shows from that era, the, clearly in syndication, the most popular show around. I bring this up because the big news is that Netflix, which is, of course, one of the streaming services, Netflix has purchased the the rights to show Seinfeld and to stream Seinfeld as part of a, of a five-year deal. The deal reportedly cost Netflix about $500 million. But what this means is if you are a subscriber to Netflix, you now have access anytime you want to all of the, what, 190-ish shows that, that they that they produced for Seinfeld. So, I mean, if, if you want to binge, you know, you, you can really go ahead and binge. And it's because, you know, the only reason they're paying $500 million for a show Netflix understands and believes that they're going to make a fortune out of this, that the people and the demand, even, you know, 20 plus years after Seinfeld left the air, I think I said 98, it was 99, it was actually 98, um, 
even you know 20 plus years after Seinfeld leaves the air, they believe that there's still going to be a huge demand, and that having Seinfeld as a streaming option is going to be one of the things that's going to I don't know inspire people to keep their subscriptions or to subscribe to Netflix. Keep in mind, Netflix isn't sponsored by commercials or anything like that. It's people making the decision to pay however much money you're paying a month for Netflix based on the content that's there. And Seinfeld is clearly something that is driving the content. All right, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why is there this longevity? What is there about this show that has this appeal that 20, 25 years later, you've got a company like Netflix that's is willing to shell out $500 million or thereabouts for the right to stream that show. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, look, some, some shows are, are timeless. The Andy Griffith Show is, is timeless. I Love Lucy, a timeless sort of show. Gilligan's Island, I know that's silly in a different sort of way, but they, these shows have been around just for forever. But Seinfeld clearly touched a nerve with people. What is its appeal? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest 2021. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's a place I like to Once again, this is Queensryche, who's going to be playing tonight. This in Stratton Backyard, kind of 1980s heavy metal band. All right, I've been taken a task by a number of you saying, how can you not know Queensryche? I promise I will I will spend a little bit of time. I, I will at least listen to some of their their greatest hits. I, I promise, because I'm trying to fill in the, these, these holes in my musical knowledge that somehow developed over the years. The big gig is back. We're broadcasting from here right now, and WTMJ is your home for all things Summerfest. We bring you straight to the stage as we broadcast live every day of the fest from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. It's the big gig on the biggest stick in the state, Wisconsin's radio station, News Radio WTMJ. If you are coming down here, we are in the location that we've always been in. I'm looking out over the Summerfest Lagoon. I've got a spectacular view of you know what's going on in Lake Michigan, and I am not exaggerating. Just, just look and take this one to the bank. Today really is one of these Chamber of Commerce days. It is not too hot. It is not too cold. It is perfect down here at the lakefront, and it's good to have Summerfest back after a year and a half. Okay, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, Netflix announcing yesterday that starting next month, October. Yep, um, Seinfeld is going to be available for streaming. All 180, 190 episodes of Seinfeld is going to be available for, for streaming. Seinfeld went off the air in May of 1998, and it's been in, in reruns ever since. The popularity of Seinfeld is just it, its amazing to me because, first of all, um, you, you have, okay, net, the fact that Netflix is dumping $500 million into buying the rights tell you that they believe that there's going to be a huge market for this and a huge demand for it. It's interesting to me because, first of all, it's a show that went off the air 20-some years ago. Secondly, it's a show that's been in local reruns. I mean, you know, they show it locally, what, at 1030 at night. So my guess is lots of people have seen the episodes on multiple occasions, but still Netflix thinks it's a, it's a smart investment. And we're talking about why 
why Seinfeld is, is timeless. And I, I freely admit, I was a fan of Seinfeld at the time, but I, I've grown to appreciate it more over the years. And I will tell you, if you would have asked me in 1995, 6, 7, or 8, when Seinfeld was ending, did I think that it would command half a million dollars on some streaming service, even though we didn't have streaming services back in 1998, did I think it would have that much popularity and those kind of legs going on 25 years later? And my answer would be I, I didn't think so. All right. Uh, from our text line, Jeff, Seinfeld was so brilliantly written, and the four main characters were perfectly cast. No one character takes precedence over the others. You get to know each character inside and out. Um, but they, they were perfectly cast. There, there's no question about it. And I think you can make an argument that uh, particularly the uh, Michael Richards character, Kramer, is one of... We were talking about this the other day with the passing of Ed Asner and Lou Grant. I, I think Kramer... Uh, the Michael Richards character is one of the indelible, well, probably one of the top five indelible characters of all time um, in TV. Jeff, I think Seinfeld stands the test of time because the characters are so likable. They have great chemistry together. Huh. I'm not sure I'd say that they are likable, but I think they're definitely memorable. Uh, Doug says, Jeff, every character is funny. They all have their own problems. Reminds me of people that we all know. I know a lot of Georges and a few Kramers. I think that it's that it's relatable. All right, here's one. Jeff, I never watched Seinfeld when it was on the first time. I just didn't watch it from week to week. I think I was just busy with kids and other things. But I watched the reruns religiously, and I really think it's clever. Several shows that are not that good, but still they have one line that just sticks repeatedly in, in people's mind. And, and that that's true. I mean, Seinfeld, from a pop culture perspective, there are certain lines. You, you say yada, 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 and, and everybody can you know relate to that. There are certain lines that just... Everybody knows, and they are now part of the popular culture. And I, I think that's one of the things that gives legs to the Seinfeld show, too. It's also, to me, I think it's some of the situations that the characters find themselves in, that even even though it, it's set in, okay, 1990s in New York, and the guy's working for you know George Steinbrenner, who has you know passed away, okay, it, it doesn't matter. People can still relate to that situation. Um, Renee on the Northwest Side. Renee, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, <clears throat> I've been a fan of um, Seinfeld forever and ever. I, I admit I didn't. <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't watch it that much when it was on. You know, uh, the the actual season that it was on. I watched some of it, but I binge watch it just about every night. Um, it's uh, it's just a, a very eclectic type of humor. Uh, the inane observations, uh, it's got, I was telling you, screener, it's got one of the greatest ensemble casts, I think, in television history. Yeah. All those people are just, they went on to do, and they can still do great things. And uh, the characters, I mean, mm-hmm. Kramer and uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's won so many awards, and um, and George Costanza and all that. Um, yeah. I got a lot of oh, Okay, so Renee, what, what am one, one, Renee, one of my texters says, I can't believe that everyone hasn't seen each episode at least a dozen times already. And, and that's probably true, but my guess is, you know, you, you, you sound like to me you're somebody that you don't care. Okay, so you've seen the episode. You know what's going to happen. You still watch it because it's funny, right? Oh, yeah. I watch uh, Blue Bloods over and over and over again. I mean, I finally had to turn <laughs> away from something that I saw for the umpteenth time. 
But uh, it's just just extremely clever, uh, well-written, a show that the acting is just uh, the late uh, Jerry Stiller and his and uh, George's yeah. mother and all, all those quirky characters. Oh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's oh, why yeah. well, we love it. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, it's actually, and you know, people have been sending me lines from Seinfeld. You know, but yeah, it's like no soup for you. Okay, you you say no soup for you, and everybody can relate to that. They know where it's from. It is part of the the pop culture lexicon. So, in any event, if you're a Netflix subscriber starting in October. All the Seinfeld episodes are going to be available for streaming. My guess is there are going to be some people who, who've seen them. doesn't matter if you've seen them a dozen times. My guess is people are going to be spending some time on Netflix, revisiting them once again. Get ready for the binges. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner wrapping up our broadcast from Opening Day Summerfest 2021. That is Mizio. The band's going to be playing at the Miller Light Oasis this evening. Um, abbreviated show today because we've got Brewers baseball coming up in just a couple minutes. Brewers go for a four-game sweep of the San Francisco Giants. San Francisco, that's been in first place in their division since, I think, late May, um, finally, they, they gave it up yesterday. The Dodgers overhauled them, and there's a big series between the Dodgers and the Giants uh, starting tomorrow. But first, one more game for the Brewers. I, it's just they're on an incredible run. And like I say, if, if you're, there's plenty of room on the bandwagon, so you want to jump on. We were talking about Seinfeld, and, and I'm swamped, of course, with text messages, you know, people doing the different lines and stuff. But there, there's, always, there's always that one person out there. Sorry, Jeff, but I think Seinfeld was one of the dumbest shows ever made. The show's made absolutely no sense, and when you watch it, you don't need to be a brain surgeon. I couldn't even get through one episode. So I, it's kind of like that. I mean, I understand that there's always going to be something that's not some person's cup of tea. My only indication is that if Netflix is willing to shell out $500 million for the rights to show that show for um, five years, it tells me that they think that there's a lot of people that just absolutely love it. Okay, that is it for me. We're going to take a quick break. Um, after the news, our coverage of Game 4 between the San Francisco Giants and the Milwaukee Brewers starts. I am back from Summerfest 12 noon tomorrow when we do it all again. And now I'm going to walk around the grounds, maybe have an adult beverage and something to eat. Have a great Thursday. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.